Hi and welcome to Arrow's coverage of Infosec 2019. We are once again asking the hard questions of our vendors, finding out what their priorities are into 2020 and how they intend to help our channel to develop to address the ever-changing security landscape. We hope you enjoy this series, and if so, please subscribe. We're now, I'm now joined by, uh, by actually one of our partners who have come to talk to us, um, interestingly, about a presentation they're going to be doing later on today. So would you like to just introduce yourselves and just do a bit of a round table as to who's, who I'm sitting with right now? Absolutely. So uh, my name is Dave Locke. I work for Worldwide Technology and I'm currently the field CTO for EMEA. So my name is Kieran Shepard. I'm a senior security specialist and I work for F5 Networks. Fantastic. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we've only yeah. We, just just as an FYI, we we are limited on microphones. So if there's a little bit of a pause between people talking, I apologise to the listeners. So after the pause, my name is Alistair Parsons. <laughs> um, I'm a consulting solutions architect for Worldwide Technology. Fantastic. So, what's the name of the presentation? Yes. Yeah, so Dave, we have a presentation this afternoon that is looking at the evolving risks in a multi-cloud environment and and how we can mitigate uh, against those. And so we're talking both from um, an integration point of view, a complexity point of view, and, and often from a partnership point of view, how we work closely with F5 uh, on solving some of those uh, challenges that we're seeing in awesome. business today. Because I must admit, so we've had, we've had quite a lot of vendors come on, um, and actually when you, sometimes you sit here as, as the sort of host of these shows, and you think, what you're saying is great, but it's the technology that's buried inside the technology that has no real business value. You know, and, and today, Security has to be a business enabler. And I must admit, going to multi-cloud is one of these things that's completely hampered at the moment by the fact that it's hyper-complex, the security is a complete disaster and a nightmare. But it sounds like you guys have actually got a solution to enable people to adopt this multi-cloud dream, you know, where you can have this unbelievable availability, this complete agile computing, this everything where you need it, taking advantage of what you want, where you want, yeah, sell the dream. I don't think it's a, a one solution, a single solution. Obviously, no, no silver bullet. But I think what we've uh, we understand is that we haven't met a single customer yet that is single cloud only. You know, for whatever reasons, could be political reasons. They, you know, they may be a retail company that don't want to put their money into AWS. Uh, they may be tied into Office 365, but they like to try out you know the Google Compute. So there's many, many different yeah. reasons. And the problem is, if you try to instill a security model across a multiple cloud platform each native cloud tool works in a slightly different way. So example would be if you go and configure a, a native WAF in AWS, completely different to configuring a native WAF in Azure. But your applications will probably look the same because you just pick them up in a container, microservices, yeah. drop them somewhere else. So if you can have some commonality, something that's the same across multiple clouds, like a, you know, a single vendor that works the same in any cloud platform that could be integrated in a you know, common way through automation tools or something like that, that starts to make sense, business sense to customers because you know it's time, it's money, it's complexity reduced. Yeah, and I think the other part here is it's not just about the solutions themselves. Like before you even get to the technology, as you said, it's not just a business enabler, but it's actually an inherent part that has to be considered upfront, you know, for all applications in any environment, regardless of the technology. And so it's more of a, a mindset. You know, yes, security has always been prevalent, but with the complexity increasing and the multiple locations that you can now deploy applications, containers, uh, code, you know, it, the ability to actually have 
a security policy and a security solution sort of embedded as early as possible into those environments would actually help you know mitigate this risk and make it more portable as yeah. well so you're not doing it as a as an afterthought like Ex it potentially was you know in the past exactly so you may have heard the term shift left so we have a lot of customers that say, I'm, I'm trying to shift my security left. So if you think of a, a development of an application, starting on the left, moving to the right, building that security as early into the development cycle as possible. And cloud native tools and, uh, are a really good way to do that because you're building the application in the cloud. So you'll see vendors, uh, F5 is a, a great example. We've just made a, a big acquisition, uh, Nginx. Uh, you know, one of the world's largest web servers and reverse yeah. proxies. That puts us in a cloud-first, you know, foremost strategy to enable us to do that. So lots of little different things, rather than one specific product or solution that's going to help customers achieve that. I think there's a there's a key component to this, is that the old solutions aren't going away. The monolithic architectures no. are still going to be there, and they're still going to have to actually manage those. So what you've got is an operations team which were already stretched with all the work which they're having to do with their own on-premise type infrastructures. They're suddenly being pushed um, into this application-centric type world of microservices. They're having to learn new skills. All the different cloud providers have different tool sets, and they've got to learn all the skills to manage those tool sets. So what they're looking for, as you say, the complexity is huge. And they're looking for some way to simplify that messaging which goes all the way through. And that's why we, as a partner, are working with strategic OEMs like F5 who have solutions which are on-premise, but are enabling customers to utilize those solutions all the way into a cloud journey. And other OEMs who can do that as well, because they're strategically relevant to, to our customer base. And making sure that those tool sets don't become too complex, because then keeps using the same tool sets, or at least the same skills and the same individuals in their operations teams to manage on-prem and in cloud environments, which kind of just allows them to, to mitigate some of that risk which they're going through. Well, I was going to say, one of the biggest risks, um, and funny enough, actually, we've been doing some research with our vendors whilst we've been here, is skill sets. And actually, if you start turning around and going, okay, so to go multi-cloud, you've got to adopt, you've got to have your, your core security capabilities. You've got to understand that F5 point. But then you've also got to understand the security technologies and policies and, and you know architectures for Google and this and this and this. It just becomes completely unmanageable. Yeah. So having that single pane of glass, I mean, it's, it's more than critical. It's, it's, well, it's the fundamental enabler to actually be able to do it full well, stop. And something you mentioned there, skill sets, you know, a, a real uh, restriction on business is the availability of skills. You Absolutely, know, that, yeah. There can be a restriction to business growth. So, um, and that's where, you know, people like WWT come in really handy. So, give you an example, you know, you're still going to have, let's say, a web application firewall, and there will still be someone who understands what a web application firewall policy looks like, and all the bells and whistles, but you can't have 10 of those people. They're very expensive, they're very focused. So. Going back to that kind of shift left terminology, if you can make your WAF integrate into your multi-cloud via common tools like REST APIs and be integrated into uh, open source tools like Jenkins and Terraform, then they can be pulled in. Um, the policy itself can be what we call infrastructure as code. So your web application security policy now just becomes something in GitHub. And when a change needed, the security person can log on to the WAF, make a change, suck it back into GitHub, and it's part of the dev cycle. And that's where you know the guys with WWT are helping you know integrate with tools like that. Exactly, and I think you know from a WWT um, point of view, we sort of start with this notion that there is a definite um, knowledge and architectural gap in organisations, exactly between those two worlds. Uh, Kieran mentioned it as the shift left, and uh, equally, I sort of talk about these things as you know a, a left hand side which is traditional, a right hand side that is more uh, digital and cloud native and actually you either are in one 
going right or trying to go right or you've started in the right and you need to kind of take um, policies and, and uh, best practices from the, from the left. But actually the bit in the middle is that no one really knows how to get all the way to the other side. So we want to sort of position ourselves in that center area where we've both got a heritage, you know, a strong heritage in traditional infrastructure and supplying that type of um, solution, but also you know, an application services division that has started on the right and therefore knows about you know, DevSecOps type cultures and tooling. And therefore within one organization, we actually do have the ability to bridge our own gap and take that experience you know, back out to, to customers yeah. uh, alongside yourselves. And, and you know, customers are just thinking differently as well. So if I went back five years and talked about WAF with a customer, they'd really want to understand every, every bell and whistle, all the mitigation protection that that WAF can do. Nine times out of 10, when I go to talk to a customer about WAF today, they say, will it work in Azure and can I use Terraform? Yeah, but do you not want to know how it kind of works? I'm sure you do a great job. Just tell me, can I integrate it like that? And the point of interest has really shifted towards how do I push the policy, not how do I build one from scratch? Yeah, and I think that's come with this, you know, the, the newer world on the right, where people are much more keen in just sort of having things work. You know, they just want it to, to oh, sort of off the shelf. Couldn't agree more. So they're not interested in the, how it works, how it's configured, no. and you know, having to integrate it, build it, and kind of go the ground easy button. up. Right, exactly. And, typ and typically, it is the developers that are writing the actual base code that you know that yes they, they know they've got to care about security but they're not security practitioners well, so give them a wrapper or a way to apply a policy up front you know link to an api or link to a, a piece of code that they can embed all good how much of a terrifying change is it for the security guys though to see security as a devops cycle because dev and ops i mean i don't know really why you use it in the same word it should be dev hates ops ops hates dev um, devops is obviously a, a process to be able to operationalize development and, and have that continuous integration surely security is the absolute antithesis of it's completely a, a you know they're locking horns with each other you know security as a de i've never heard of security as a devops process i love the idea but i mean what's the reality of it the the problem is that um, for the most part if you talk to security individuals, they don't want to see themselves as blockers. They don't feel like they're blockers, uh, but they are gatekeepers. Yeah, they're the absolutely. ones who have to manage the security controls. And they're the ones that get the kicking when it, when it is well, insecure. The, the customer is the one who, who ends up getting the kicking, and that's the problem, is you're moving the control away from the customer. As soon as you start moving into a shared infrastructure, there's this idea that responsibility is moving from the customer and more onto your cloud service provider. Yeah. They're the ones providing the tools. They're the ones providing the infrastructure, the OS layer, all these bits and pieces. But what you've got to understand is that if the uh, financial services authority come knocking at your door, it's the customer who's on the hook. Yeah, that's true. You know, Amazon and Microsoft, they can just walk away because they're just providing a service to them. And that's what you have to consider. And that is where the security teams sit there thinking, my God, if I hand over all my control to the, the cloud teams or the dev teams, then when the, cust when the CEO gets that knock on the door, he's going to be knocking on my door asking me why I wasn't yeah, maintaining yeah, yeah. that. And, I think, you and, know, and that's why we see you know, partners like F5 being so critical because they've got, come from an enterprise background, so they recognize why you know, just using the cloud native tools doesn't necessarily solve that particular business risk and that accountability. You know, this far more brings things back into the left-hand side of the world. You've got complete control. You can deploy it in multiple locations, and you're not relying on those cloud service yeah. providers uh, and their sort of uh, tools, right? And, and also, you have to think how applications are developed. So think old, old world. Load of developers build an application. 
it's built, it's tested, they throw it over the wall to ops, to production, and in ops, there's things they didn't have. There's WAFs, there's firewalls, and they test it, and the WAF says, well, there's an SQL injection vulnerability. So you go back to them, and you try to tell them their baby's ugly. They're, you know, their code's <laughs> crap. So yeah. they're not happy, security becomes a blocker, and two things happen, either the project gets delayed and delayed and delayed, and they end up deploying it with the WAF in a transparent mode, which is useless to no one, or someone gets shouted at because it's getting delayed and shortcuts are made. So go to the new world. What you, what you have to think is applications are made. It's not one developer building an app. Think of developers like microservices. They all might be building 10 different lines of code each. They, they don't really see the whole picture until it's all merged together. Mm -hmm. So if a developer can do his 10 lines, press commit, and that goes through the security testing at that point, that shift left point, and he goes, oh, it's failed. I'll, do, I'll change my code now then, rather than waiting three months later when he's on a different project and doesn't care, that's when it becomes that's beneficial. It, yeah, and when it works well, you know, the real advantage is all about time to market, because if you can get closer to the developers and put the, that security inherent, however that's done, you know, in some of the, 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 the solutions you have, especially in like the Nginx uh, acquisition, it gets you to the point where they're releasing code that is secure. Um, and then not having to wait on change management, old school change management, uh, to do things like firewall changes. I mean, most of, I would say the majority of the customers we speak to, the biggest inhibitor to change is things like a firewall change to get a new application out. And we're talking in some cases six months lead time uh, and it's Jeez. just killing their business, you know, uh, and it's not acceptable in this day and age. It's why things like in the financial services world, the fintechs have a march on the traditional banks because they are working yeah. to this new model and pushing code out you know, multiple times a day, yeah. whereas a, 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 an old school retail bank is maybe doing two changes a year against yeah. their mainframe. And the cost of changes is much, much higher. The risk profile of the organization is much, much lower. Therefore, you know, there's, there's a lot more things that could go and fall over should they make a change. I find it absolutely fascinating that you know, it, this is a, for, for me, I, I'm a developer of old, you know, I, I used to run development for Arrow, um, and we were very much of the opinion that we would write something that worked, and then you would basically bolt it in security afterwards, as in you'd put enough around it and you'd make it restricted enough so that my, my code was not, didn't, didn't, didn't need to be secure. This new world of like being able to essentially run it through automated testing to, to check security at point of commit to to a sort of you know a yep. versioning system is that's fabulous yeah, yeah and I, th I think like you said that's the the, the kind of dissemination of uh, saying to a developer look, we need you to build something because actually you're the people who are going to generate revenue everything else in front of you is actually just a cost basis you know you so yep. Build something, build it quick, make sure it works. And it's not that they don't care about security, but they're going to use things like shared libraries. They're going to yeah, use yeah, things like you know, copy and paste code. That, that's innate to what people do, is they need to make something quicker that works. So there may be inherent flaws they just don't even know about. So to have that yeah. testing put in. Well, and like open source as well, you know, such a large exactly. community of that, libraries and yeah, APIs that people need uh, or want to actually um, utilize, you know, because it does make their, their lives easier. Yeah, but fundamentally, if you can if you can turn security into just another test, but right. the code has to pass automated test, so there's no extra overhead on the developer. The security guys are getting all of the compliance and the, the box ticking box ticking that they would like. That's win win win, right? Yeah, 100%. but you can't just take the old world security and translate it into a microservice application centric 
type of multi-cloud world. And that's a learning curve that the security guys had to go through as well. The attack plane has, has increased massively in size as soon as you start moving your applications to the cloud. And the types of attacks we're talking about, I mean, data is currency these days. I mean, if you look at some of these organizations that are just built around their application, whether it be Lyft or Uber or any of these, these ideas. And the, the fact is, that if you suddenly close shop on that application, and that can very easily happen, then your consumers will just walk away. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, yeah, it's, the brand, it's, the reputation of brand damage would be absolutely. completely irreparable. It's, it's an extinction level event for some of these organizations. that they haven't. It's, it's no longer become a case of security is something which is going to stop um, everybody getting through my perimeter, nobody's going to come in, nothing's going to go out. It's got to be such an integral part of your actual application set that you've got to understand that that's part of the data which is, is now actually driving the business. Yeah. Yeah, and Alistair and I actually were talking this morning about this, that you know, cloud security is not just, I've got some things in a data center, let's translate it to cloud. Um, because the tools that are available into the cloud, they're just not available in your local data center and they create a whole new attack surface. So an example we spoke about this morning was I listened to a security podcast about um, a security uh, chap that went and scanned GitHub and found some AWS keys. And then he went on to customers' sites with their AWS keys, and he used Lambda. So AWS Lambda is a serverless infrastructure. So you make a request, it responds with a function. There's no building of code or servers or applications. It's literally request response. You get charged by the execution of code. And he wrote a bit of code that says, if someone goes into this AWS IAM account system and deletes my administrator, go and create two more in the background. You just don't get that type of security threat in a data center because inf you know serverless infrastructure doesn't exist in the same way and you know public SD three bucket all the different things that we now have to think about it's like Alistair said you can't just say this is my data center security I'll do the same thing in the cloud yeah absolutely and I think that there's a further part to that as well and it was another sort of third part of our session this afternoon is about this balance between privacy and security. So it's not only that these sort of new functions, and in fact, by having automation, you, in, you introduce risk, but equally, because everyone is concerned about privacy, not just at a consumer level, but even at some of the you know, government level, certainly in the EU, stronger than, than most, you know, there is more encryption, there is more requirement to actually manage and contain data, but that also then <laughs> creates a vehicle for attackers to actually hide code, you know, and um, you know, perform attacks yeah, under course. the radar. Yeah. So it's like, how do you have both at the same time, your privacy and the ability to find, locate, and track, and you know, cease um, any form of uh, whilst not attempt. completely and utterly hampering Quite. agility and yeah. sort of creativity yeah. and all the other things that you want to try and harvest and and harbor in your organisation to give you that competitive edge. 100%. So that's why this is such a complex world and why there's, you know, so many different, um, you know, companies here at the event, you know, today. I was walking around on the floor earlier. It's almost overwhelming. It really is terrifying. The number of organized, you know, companies kind of all with their, say, you know, very strong messaging around helping these business risks, all coming at it from very different angles. Um, you know, some point-based, some are more uh, broad-based. Um, but equally, where would you start if, if you're coming into this New. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even want to no, try. And, and so I think what we're trying to do, and you know, in our partnership, is, is you know, at least have a point of view where we do have that perspective. We've got the left-hand view. We've got the right-hand view. You've got a portfolio that now spans both. Yeah. You know, and our ability to like execute against that, regardless of where you start, is really, the, I guess, the key for our our, our relationship and the, the one with our customers. Perfect, yeah, definitely. Well, look, guys, thank you ever so much for coming on. Enjoy your presentation later on.
Um, if people, well, this will be going afterwards, but hopefully uh, everyone will have enjoyed your presentation and sat through and got a lot of it just as we have today. So thank you ever so much, and uh, thank yeah, you very much. We'll speak to you soon. Yeah, thanks many thanks. Much. Cheers, Cheers guys. Okay, bye. bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Please come back again next week for the next instalment of our exciting coverage from InfoSec 2019. See you then.